0: Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Colfield and Company.
1: ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins coming up in about 15 minutes. Lots to get into. Uh, we always exchange some stories, uh, getting the late news, well, you know, today's news, that the NCAA said, you know what, NIL, you can do it. Everyone's allowed to do it. It's not a violation. Okay, that's good. Thanks for waiting until the very last minute with, uh, like, 17 states, uh, probably not that many, 12 states rolling it out, and another, like, 12 on the way, with 12 states rolling it out on July 1st. And guess what? That's tomorrow. All right, 3 o'clock hour
0: it's time for the three presented by nova home loans call now at 877-700-NOVA
1: oh boy i can't even keep track and i feel so bad for zach collins did you see he's got foot issues again come on
2: this kid really seemed like he was on the trajectory to become one of the better players to ever come out of this city. And the injuries have just been brutal to watch with him. Foot fractured for a second time. He's at the shoulder injury to deal with as well. And He came into the league in 2017. It's hard to believe at this point because we just haven't seen him on the floor that much. And when he has been on the floor, he's a significant contributor for the Blazers.
1: You know, the crazy thing is, it hasn't worked out to this point, but is there anyone on the face of the earth can look, who can look at him and go, yeah, you should have stayed at Gonzaga for more time? What My you God, if that? he had, what, what happens? He doesn't make any money.
2: Please. Mark Few tried to bury him as deep on the bench as he could to make sure nobody yeah. got a good look at him, and his draft stock wouldn't be up as high as it was, and yet he still was drafted in the middle of the first round.
1: Also at three, listen, the man is paid to have opinions, we don't want to shut him down or cancel him. By the way, it was Charles Barkley who was whining 10 days ago about not being able to say anything and do anything on air now because he's going to get canceled and everything's changed and his boss is this and that and just grade A whining. And I called him out for it. I'm like, dude, you're not getting canceled. Cut it out. Your brand is safe. No one is booting you. You've had so many uh, you know walks along the edge and over the edge you're too valuable you're actually safe from all of this in terms of the spoken word did he actually call paul george a whiner
2: but do you think maybe paul george brought this on himself just a little bit just a little bit he got baited let's be honest here paul george was baited with a question they asked about the criticism that he's received and whether he thought it was fair, et cetera, et cetera. And Paul George called the fact that he receives unfair criticism. He called it a fact. fact. Yeah. It's a fact, but I can't worry about it. Yeah. Come on, man. Like the passive aggressive answer isn't worth it. You've done everything this offseason to speak for itself. You have been Barry Sanders getting into the end zone and handing the ball to the official over and over again in this postseason. Right, you've proven it by what you do on the court, you don't have to say a word to anybody, don't take the bait. And so, Paul puts that out there, and Barkley predictably comes back at him and says oh, that he it. should stop whining about it. Like, I don't know that anybody's really right here, Steve.
1: I don't know, no, that neither, anybody's neither really... one, you know what? You made the point for George, neither one is right, but my, you know, my original point of Barkley. Barkley is whining about making lots of money and being scrutinized for the things he says. That's why he makes lots of money. Paul George makes lots of money. Take the high road, bro. Yeah, it's annoying, but you're also the one who came up with playoff P and then people responded with pandemic P. So there are two birds of a feather.
2: If you're Paul George, you have to understand something about the way you're going to be perceived. And, JVT has asked me about it on this show before. Why does Paul George get the criticism he does? If you are in the category of guys who have forced your way out of a situation, you will always be looked at differently. You will always have that mark on you. And the way he left Oklahoma City will always have a mark on Paul George. Can he overcome it? Absolutely. And he's doing it right now. He's doing it by how he plays. He's doing it by leading this team in multiple situations where it looked like they were dead in the water. Paul George does not deserve criticism as a choker, but then just just let it speak
1: for itself, man. Top story at 3, more baseball beefs. <laughs> Here we go again. Josh Donaldson in the middle of it. He's going against the White Sox. He's on the Twins. He's up against Lucas Giolito. Ripped to left field, hit well, and back and gone. And Donaldson jumpstarts the Twins with a two-run first-inning home run. There you go. Twins TV on that one. Now, if you notice at the end of the highlight, Candy, what was Donaldson doing as he was running away from Giolito?
2: He appeared to be motioning with his hand and saying something to the pitcher. Yeah.
1: Uh, I couldn't hear it, but supposedly uh, on TV microphones – uh, he was yelling, hey, it's not sticky anymore. It's not sticky anymore. And, yeah, he was, like, clapping his hands and looking at his hands. So after the game, Lucas Giolito's like, dude, cut it out.
2: He's a pest. Uh, you know, that's kind of a classless move. If you're going to talk, talk to my face.
1: Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Before we get to what you believe is the, the grand work that is going on here, coming down from the head honchos of baseball, are you cool with Donaldson? This is at least the second time he's called out a pitcher. He got destroyed after he did it to Garrett Cole through like 100 you know, miles an hour and blew him away. Are you cool with Donaldson doing this kind of stuff?
2: I'm totally cool with Josh Donaldson talking about what pitchers have been doing. If you want to talk about spider attack, if you want to talk about what they've done to you, and made your life more difficult, and maybe shortened a career that was an MVP-level career for Josh Donaldson because he's not the player he once was. Yeah, go ahead. You guys have earned the right to talk about it. But Lucas Giolito is 100% right. You want to do this Bush League crap on the field? Stand there and take it. Mm-hmm. Stand there and take it. Don't go running into the dugout. Don't go running away from it. Say it. And you know why Lucas Giolito is saying, say it to my face, or "Say it like, say it like a man? He essentially did did Josh Donaldson to Garrett Cole. He talked straight out about Garrett Cole. And then the next day when they came and asked him about it, he kind of walked some of the comments back a little bit. Yeah, But this yeah. literally league crap of holding up your hand saying it's not sticky anymore. Bro, get over yourself. Seriously. Are you going to tell me that you and your fellow hitters have never done anything wrong? I mean, if by you want to tell me
1: Let me break in. Is Josh Donaldson going to say he's never done anything wrong? His... His career trajectory was kind of interesting when he exploded from guy who could hit some home runs like in the 20-homer uh, range to I guess it was launch angle, then all of a sudden he's bombing 41 and 37. You know, and now, now, I'm sure the response would be, what? What are you saying? I don't know, bro. What are you saying? If we're going to do this, let's do this.
2: If you're going to talk about the Josh Donaldson, who was a superstar in Toronto to the point where – My friends and I, Yankee fans, started calling him Magic Josh because it seemed like every moment where he could do something to the Yankees, he did. Uh, But Josh Donaldson was part of a Toronto Blue Jays organization that, let's be honest here, before Mm -hmm. the Astros were the ones catching crap over sign stealing, Amy K. Nelson wrote an article for ESPN the better part of 10-plus years ago talking about how there was something funny going on at Toronto Blue Jays home games with signs that seemed to be getting relayed to the hitters so let's let's make sure that that glass house is reinforced before we start casting sticky stones
1: yeah I'll also throw in that uh Mr. Baseball who was lecturing the entire sport on what you're supposed to do in a blowout when you put a a fatty pitcher on the mound Uh, remember how sanctimonious Rocco Baldelli was hey Rocco how come you're not policing this stupidity oh this is okay I guess I guess the club. I, I just I remember the words when he was saying the, cl- the the clubhouse was very broken up. They just couldn't get over the fact that uh, you know, your mean Mercedes had bombed a home run off his uh, off his chubby catcher. And uh, even with Tony LaRusse's apologies, like man, they, you know the guys are still pretty upset about it. No, and this, that, this, this no, is this is, is this is this is so classic that we mentioned Rocco Baldelli and speaking out of both sides of his mouth, right? And you mentioned the Blue Jays and the nonsense that went on there. With, you know, allegations of, uh, hey, guys are hitting a lot of home runs when they go north and sign stealing. And also, uh, Jose Bautista, who was, hey, if I want to celebrate and have a good time playing the game, I can do it. If not, I'm Mr. Rules of Baseball guy. Hmm, weird.
2: You know what? Here we are, though. Here we are, though, right? We're talking about pitchers versus hitters and hitters versus pitchers. And, and Bobby Manfred. Bobby Baseball is just sitting back loving every minute of it. Every second, Bobby Baseball gets to look at his pitchers getting mad at his hitters and his hitters getting mad at his pitchers and nobody is talking about Bobby Baseball and his sticky substance rules and his crap extra innings and the baseball that got changed this year that nobody is talking about anymore. No, Bobby Baseball's got exactly what he wants. He's got infighting and war among his players so that nobody's looking at him, the true
0: cancer of baseball. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer, 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins, to lay down the law. Only on Cofield & Company. Cofield & Company. Adam Candy's here. Let's get into
1: the legal side of sports and otherwise. Uh, Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider is with us. We're at his spot is a brand new studio, the Battleborn Broadcast Center. So uh, biggest news overnight was Trevor Bauer. Uh, Right now it's a he said, she said case. Just from what you've read early on, what do we get out of this?
3: Yeah, I, I think the one that's a little bit different than the other ones that we've heard. And I think we've all seen enough of this now to... Reserve judgment until we hear a little bit more about everything that's that's being alleged in the back and forth but what makes this one different is there seems to be a mission from bowers camp that the while the sexual intercourse was consensual that it was rough there was consensual choking and um you know very rough sex and from bowers camp they say they have text messages to prove that that was her request about how she wanted it um, and that there was never any sort of complaint any reason for bauer to think that anything that he was doing was anything out of line from what she was specifically asking for um, and that she repeatedly asked for that there was more than one instance so that particular aspect of this is is a little bit different than anything else we've heard so You know, it's not a battery if it's consensual. Even if she got hurt, if that's what she asked for, that would not be a crime. That would not be a sexual assault.
1: Well, along the same lines, and this guy actually did go to jail for it. And, um, you know, from what we're reading with Bauer, pretty serious stuff with Bill Cosby, it was incredibly serious. I think, like, most people around the country, I, I didn't know this was going. I didn't know about the challenge we see today that he's out. He's out. He's out. Um He's been freed from prison. The conviction overturned. Uh, You know, reading real quickly on this, this is the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, but I guess there were issues, and it sounds like some of it's procedural. Uh, The first involved the judge's decision to let prosecutors call five other accusers, and then there was another part of it that said uh, Cosby's side was arguing that he had an agreement with a former prosecutor that he'd never be charged.
3: Neither of those are are accurate as to why it was overturned. Um, So I actually think... And this is going to be, you know, my super unpopular opinion of the day, but I think if everybody knew that the ramifications of this this decision, they would agree with me. I think that this decision is a good decision for criminal defendants, for the rights of the people. What happened in this case, and I'll try to condense this as much as possible, is originally back in 2005, the district attorney looked at the case and said, I think there's problems with this case. I don't think we can win this case. I don't want to present this case. And we could talk about all the reasons why he thought that, that was or was not the case. And 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 there there are valid reasons why he had concerns I, from my perspective. He said, told uh, the accusers... Uh, lawyers, listen, we don't have a case here. The lawyers were telling um, the prosecutor, well, we're going to move forward with a civil case. And he made the call that he wanted to publicly state that he was not going to charge Bill Cosby of a crime so that the accused could seek her justice in civil court and that Cosby couldn't take the Fifth Amendment because he wasn't in peril of being charged. So he did that he made a public press release that he actually signed and said he will not be charged and here's the reasons why and had a conversation with Cosby's attorney that says hey I'm not charging him but you know because I make this statement that he is not allowed to plead the fifth in any subsequent proceedings in any civil action and Cosby's attorney says I understand I agree with your analysis the accused then sued bill cosby in civil court um, obtained a settlement of about three and a half million dollars cosby gave deposition four depositions in that case and and did not take the fifth amendment so he gave testimony in the subsequent the subsequent district attorney came in and said "No, no no we're taking this case on we're moving forward with it pursued cosby and on top of it you the testimony he gave in the civil case that was under seal against him in the criminal case the lower court the intermediate court both had said that that was appropriate and allowed because they hadn't formalized any sort of immunity agreement and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said no that there is a public interest in having police and district attorneys have to honor their words that they give to a criminal defendant, if the criminal defendant relies on what they've said. And they used a whole bunch of different examples of police telling people, hey, if you tell me this information, we won't prosecute you for that. And then they would prosecute them for that. And in those cases, they said, that's not appropriate. You can't do it. So here he said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna prosecute you, but then you can't use your fifth amendment rights. He relied upon that, didn't use his fifth amendment, to his detriment, and they attempted to, you know, a different DA, change the, it's not really a deal, change the understanding of what the legal ramifications were, but it's too late, the court said. Cosby had already detrimentally relied on the word of the prior district attorney.
2: So for anyone out there right now, Justin, who's saying, so wait a second, we know a lot of what happened, and this is ultimately procedural, are we done with bill cosby like is this it or or will there be anything else that happens
3: i think this is it in, in the state of pennsylvania um i don't know all of the allegations as they pertain to everything else so the, the, they used this one case to try to get the story out on all the prior cases this one case was the only one within the statute of limitations all the other women that women that were brought forward in the criminal proceedings in pennsylvania they were outside of the statute of limitations. They did not have charges related to their particular stories. That was just part of showing a modest modus operandi on the part of Crosby. So from Pennsylvania standpoint, we are, we are unaware of any other claims within the statute of limitations in the Supreme court's ruling. They referenced the fact that the DA in Pennsylvania was aware of potential claims that may arise in California. This, Ruling has nothing to do with anything that's happening in a different state. This only pertains to Pennsylvania, where he lived at the time. So does this pertaining to allegations within his home?
2: All right, Justin, let's make everyone listening even happier. Um, could Bill Cosby potentially come back with some sort of suit of his own for the fact that this happened?
3: Yes, I do think he, he could sue the, the county for... Um, I don't want to say breach of contract, but even the district attorney went the old district attorney when they came forward and we're going to press charges, came to the district attorney's office and said, hey, guys, you can't do this. Here is exactly why I why I made this public statement. I made the public statement so this woman would have access to justice. If I didn't make the statement, he would have taken the Fifth Amendment. She never would have gotten any justice. And so we knew what we were doing at the time, and we went eyes wide open. If you move forward with this, I'm afraid you guys are going to be sued by him civilly. And I
1: think that that's a possibility. So Bill Cosby is out. He's out. People are shocked right now. Didn't see this coming. Seems to me like uh, there are a lot of cases where they're appealed. And man, it takes a long time to get through the process. This one happened pretty fast, and I also kind of feel like if you have money and you have good attorneys to spend that money on, you have an advantage. Now, like I, you explained it well. I mean, they screwed up. Pennsylvania side screwed up, but there, it seems to me that there is a good advantage to be when you have money and you can pay for top-notch attorneys. I don't know what the docket's like in Pennsylvania to get get to the top, but I but I think that,
3: um, I mean, two years is. This was an issue from the get-go. Okay. They, they fired off on this issue before the very first trial court. They had a hearing where they called the former district attorney. He had to testify under oath before they could even move forward with the criminal proceedings. So this had been briefed for years before the, the trial even happened. So I, I, I don't know that that him being a celebrity had anything to do with this. And I know people are upset about um the result the net result that bill Cosby's out of prison but from my perspective you've heard me talk to you on on this show a number of different times talking about how police and district attorneys have this freedom and this right to lie to the accused and it's protected by the courts this I like this decision because it does not it, it does not allow the district attorney or the police to lie to accused to get them to do something against their own interest and then later have the you know the quote unquote deal or whatever was being offered or whatever was being said pulled out from under them and i think that this is going to help a lot more people than it hurts and i know it hurts people in this particular case but i will say the woman who uh, was the the accuser, the single accuser in this case, she did get uh, a civil judgment against him. She did win a civil case for three point four million dollars, and she wouldn't have outside of this deal being made by the district attorney's office. Mm-hmm.
1: Justin Watkins, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. He's joining us on a Wednesday. We got a bunch of bar disputes, uh, near fights, tragic stuff to get to. One of them actually involves a uh, kickboxer boxer named Joe Schilling. High-level guy. And all we get to see is a a quick video of supposedly there was some guy harassing everyone and maybe harassed him. And you can see there's a big size difference with Joe Schilling and the dude. And in the end, there's a big skill difference. And we're talking about We always go back to that. You know, your your hands are lethal weapons when you're a professional fighter. So something happened that led up to this guy, Joe Schilling, walking by a fella. Uh, He bumps him. The fella kind of flexes up against him, and Joe Schilling—it's like four punches, quick as you know what—and the guy is knocked out. Like, just the hands are all inside. Boom, 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 boom. Then Schilling comes out and says, uh, he tells his story that the guy was harassing people all night using racial slurs. And this is the part that's kind of crazy. Schilling said that he felt his life was threatened.
3: I didn't see any of that. In the video. Okay. I mean, I don't care what. I don't care what he's saying. I don't. You know, from my perspective on the video. It do, he does not – like the, the, the guy does not look like any sort of threat. I mean, he looks like an annoying drunk dude. Yeah. That's every bar in every city every night, right? Like, he looks like that guy who's, you know, a little too – had a little bit too much to drink and is talking his head off, but he doesn't look angry. He's smiling, actually. He's pro- I, And I don't know what's being said, but if he's being annoying, even if he's being racist – that does not give you the right to go assault them it doesn't now we have what we know to be fighting words right um there are instances in which somebody can say something that they know or reasonably should know would lead to a physical altercation and yes those exceptions do exist but they are so rare and so narrow in definition that I just don't I I I don't think it would apply here and and certainly he was not in fear of his life. If he was in fear for his life, he wouldn't have walked by and bumped the dude in the first place. I mean, he's walking right by the dude, and that's not what you do if you're yeah. in fear of of your life. I he thought, he I, wanted I, to
1: start something. Yeah, I thought he, yeah, I thought he lit the flame, the final yep. flame. Um, and then we go back to that question about the whole lethal weapons thing. You know, your hands are lethal weapons with the boxers and, and MMA guys. We talked months ago about Mike Perry, who is a lunatic, uh, UFC fighter who just lit up some old guy um, at, you know, a Texas restaurant, is there such a thing as like, Hey, you're so freaking skilled that you're held to a different standard. You can't just go out and beat the crap out of people.
3: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's certainly in, in this case, in a, in a self defense case, you know, where your self defense, your rights to self defense are based on the fact that you are in fear of physical bodily harm to yourself. There's I don't buy it. There's no way he thought he was in actual any danger whatsoever. I don't buy it. And if somebody's that that well-trained, I'm really not going to buy it unless they are fighting somebody or or being threatened by somebody
1: who they know to be equally skilled. All right, take a breath during the break because last time we had you, you got really fired up. I got a little bit scared. This is a hot-button issue for you. Uh, name, image, likeness, uh, the way the NCAA has treated athletes over the year. We had the SCOTUS judgment. Well, now, with uh, NIL rules going into place in a lot of states tomorrow, uh, news just came out a little while ago. The Division I Board of Directors has voted to approve the interim NIL policy. So I want to find out what the policy is, how does it work state by state, and is Nevada ready to go with some set of standards?
0: Call Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins Watkins. to present the facts only on Cofield and Company.
1: So a big couple of days here for college athletes, we think. Uh, One legal insider, Mike McCann, saying a little while ago in 12 hours, college athletes will finally be able to enjoy a legal right the rest of us enjoy as Americans, the right of publicity, Many are responsible. I put Ed O'Bannon at the top of the list. This doesn't happen unless the NCAA was forced by courts to change. Ed did that. Nicole Arbach, who covers college sports, said uh, college athletes in all 50 states will be able to monetize their names, images, and likenesses starting tomorrow. Doing so will no longer violate NCAA rules, but that suggests that there's some sort of structure on the way. There's not a lot of structure. <laughs> no, right, the, coming the, out of the gates here.
3: The interim rules is you guys can go ahead and figure it out. There's, there's, there's <laughs> no, guard, there's no guardrails. There's no you can do name, image, likeness in these sort of, sort of industries or not these other industries, um, which you do see from state to state level. Um, I, I believe it was Arkansas that I saw that said it can't be for um, any a, adult beverages or like strip clubs. Oh, really? Yep, that that was Come precluded. On. And um, so there are states that do have some guardrails. Um, Nevada does not. We passed a a law uh, in the last session that basically prohibits any university from stopping somebody from profiting off their name image likeness. So that's it. We can't. There are no rules here other than the NCAA rules. And the NCAA's current rules are interim rules, which basically are, let's see how this goes.
2: So, Justin, with these interim rules, I mean, is this Wild Wild West kind of stuff something that the NCAA could try to come back on later? Essentially, could could someone enter into a deal that, you know, by the time there are permanent rules in place that the NCAA doesn't like? And if that's the case, I mean, would the deal still be valid if it was made at a different time?
3: Yeah, they have to know going into this that if they come down the road and make some new rules, that there's going to be a lot of grandfathering in of existing deals. They're going to have to know that because they are just going to put themselves right back into court if they create some rules and then say any deals in place that are that are in violation of these new rules we have just set are now void. They're just they're going to do so much damage. So they have to know. Their lawyers had to have told them, okay, by doing this sort of wait-and-see approach, there's going to be some deals that you don't like that you're going to have to live with until they expire at some point. Um, so it, it's, it's gonna be really interesting to find out what happens, you know? And, and that's all to say too, now we have the uh, the, the subsequent Supreme Court case ruling about these um, education related expenses. It'll be really interesting. If you have an elite athlete who's a, who's a real scholar and they're looking at some nice schools and part of the package they throw together is, oh yeah, by the way, what do you wanna do? You wanna be a doctor? four years of med schools already already thrown in on top because of your academics right what's going to happen then i i don't know (laughs) i don't know what's going to happen um this this the supreme court on that uh basically said it's they are allowed to set guardrails on what to do in that aspect but they can't completely outlaw it and so i don't know where that's going to go either but it's going to be interesting, and I think, and I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think it's a victory that that su- subsequent hearing or subsequent case is a victory for the more academic-related institutions, not just the sports schools.
2: But uh, along the lines, just to stay with it for a second, with the sports schools, if I'm a Spencer Rattler or a DJ uh, Oyongalele, like right now, I'm probably like my family is burning up the phones right now right trying to yeah. get the absolute best deal that I can before there are bigger rules in place
3: 100% yeah that's that's exactly right and if if the school administrators are smart the one guard the one guideline that is in the interim rules is that the schools are not supposed to do the deal too there's no joint licensing that is in there, oh, wow. which I think is interesting because that, that's kind of the first thing I went to is that's what I would want to do is I would want to provide that service to my student athletes because then I would become much more marketable as a school. It's like, hey, you don't have to have your grandma call the local car dealership or, you know, uh, or the, the, the local casino or bar or whatever. We've got a department that does that for you. Um, now, I think you can provide resources. I think you can provide a sort of a resource center of who they can call and numbers and all that different stuff, but you can't jointly license, say, the UNLV logo with the player's name image and like this.
1: Justin Watkins with us. There's a lot of possibilities here. Heck yeah, that's what's exciting. So wait, you're saying coming out of the gates that each player will be on their own? Yes. Oh, wow. So then if they have a representative, well, first of all, I'd want I'd want someone with legal knowledge, like doesn't that border on having an agent or there is a sports a, agent, though. Right.
3: It's publicity.
1: That's a publicity agent.
3: Right. So that's where that's where it's oh, wow. going to be interesting as well is is can they stop them from retaining an agent to for the purposes of publicity? I would argue, no, if they did, I think that they would be in violation of the O'Bannon case which basically says the NCA cannot stand in the way of a person's right to use and, and profit off their name, image likeness, their, their rights of publicity.
1: So, of course, you piqued my interest five minutes ago when you said strip clubs. Yeah. Um, like, what happens if a school is like, whoa, 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 like the quarterback? Like, wait, you signed a deal with a strip club, uh, a cannabis dispensary, and, you know, freaking some bourbon company. How do they stop it? I don't think that they can. Not in Nevada. This is crazy! Yeah, not in Nevada they can't.
3: I mean, there's, there's not rules in place in the state of Nevada that's going to stop them from doing that. Um, like I said, in other states that does exist. Those limitations do exist. Wow. I mean, I think I'm, there's some I'm kind reason. Of bl- I'm kind of blown away. I think there's it. some policy reasons why any product that can't be consumed until the age of 21 that we shouldn't have college athletes Okay. You know, advertising for them who may not be 21. That seems reasonable to me when they turn 21, okay? I guess. Uh but but I prefer the let's let's let the market dictate how this looks and and
1: um, you know, so if, then, if you can get the contract, get the contract. If it so then if it's a states rights thing, state by state, until they come up with you know, something on the federal level.
3: It's even conference by conference. Conferences can make up their own rules. The The Supreme Court case specifically okay. said conferences can do this. It's the monopoly of the NCAA and the agreement amongst all the conferences to do the, to do the price fixing that is in violation of the antitrust. But if one conference chooses to have rules that
1: are more strict than another conference, that's okay. So you do or don't see down the road like actual marketing departments at schools being involved in this oh i do okay yes i think you're gonna have like like that this ha- i would, I would think that's i thought that's where it was going that yep. each school would have a department in charge of this to to bring in deals and hand out deals to kids yeah you just can't jointly license right you can't you can't use
3: unlv's marketing deals to benefit the player so you have to come up with new deals the deals have to be with for the player's name image and likeness not for unlv and the player's name image and likeness. wow because then you, it, i i think that the the policy reason behind that is that you can't separate how what amount of the deal is for unlv's goodwill and what amount of the deal is for the players goodwill and if you know if they send a million dollar contract for unlv and player a and then UNLV gives all $999,000 to the player and says, our take is only a dollar, then they're going to say that that's a pay-for-play.
1: Stick around. we got more stuff to get to. we got more of these uh, bar disputes and robberies and uh, good police work going down. So that's coming up with Co-Field and Company. It's Justin Watkins is with us. You can call Battleborne Injury Lawyers at 570 900
0: Call Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider, Justin Watkins, to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. So
1: we were just talking about the opportunity, also chaos that exists now with uh, college athletes being able to Uh, monetize their name, image, and likeness. One of our good buddies, who's a rabid listener of the show, uh, Chad, just sent over. He's a a Badger follower. Wisconsin partners with Open Doors to launch NIL program for student-athletes. Wisconsin Athletics is working with this Open Doors to launch the UW program, giving student-athletes an opportunity to capitalize on their own name, image, likeness. Yep, that's that
3: makes sense. So it's not the school, not the school to go between. It's yeah, it's it's a resource. Like I said, resource <laughs> centers. <laughs> Here, here's where you go to to you know get
1: value, fair value for your likeness. I, I think it's a great service. I'd be doing it too. So as Candy knows, uh, we generally exchange like uh, I don't know, ten or fifteen stories. We get to like five. Yeah. Uh, we have our legal podcast tomorrow, so we'll try to get to a lot of them. Uh, tomorrow, I didn't really tease many of them, but uh, I, I really wanted to get to an interesting discussion. One, uh, what do you think about Flurry getting the best I thought it was great. You know, I thought I thought for the regular season, his numbers were.
3: I'm, I'm a stats guy. His numbers were pretty undeniable. As either him or Vasilevsky. and Flurry's numbers were actually better. His goals saved above average. It was number one in the league. His goals allowed per game were best in the league. His save percentage was right there, top five. Um, you know, if there if there was a year to give Floyd
1: the, the Vesna, this was it. So, Candy, uh, Justin was just in Long Island. Uh, we can talk about his vacation out there. But you and I were talking during the break uh, about the uh, Puck Daddy story on ESPN.com about the Nassau Coliseum, or as uh, many people in New York would know it as the Nassau Mausoleum from one of the Sports Talk radio hosts. Uh, that was it. That was the last go around, and now they're – their new arena, I think it's UBS Arena, is on the way in in Elmont. And I was asking you, how much do you know about Long Island and the geography of Long Island? Because I wanted to look and, and see, like, hey, I know they hated that Brooklyn arena. Is this really an arena for the people of Long Island?
2: Would you say that the Nassau Coliseum was an arena for the people of Long Island?
1: Well, I was, I was looking at it more from the location, uh, if it was centrally located. But here's the thing. Long Island is so G damn big that like towns I know of. And I'll be honest with you. I like I grew up in the New Jersey, New York area. Long Island is like a different world from New Jersey. So like I never went out there. I know you grew up in Westchester, Candy, but you know a lot of people on Long Island. Like towns that I have heard of, mostly from listening to Sports Talk Radio, you know, Joe is calling in from Patchogue. Um, I started to look on a map yesterday because I'm a dork like this. And I was like, my God, there are still a lot of people who are really far from this arena.
2: Well, and I don't know how much time you've spent driving in Long Island, but you can end up in some nightmarish situations, uh, <laughs> rush hours. You're we talking yeah. about trying to get to and from a game, too. So, you oh, yeah. know, there, there are lots of questions to be answered when we when we start talking about that. But you know what? What I love about this whole situation is that uh, realistically, when was the last time it was fun to be an Islanders fan? When when they won four cups. You know, uh, in the early 80s, right? Like, that was the last time it was fun. At least they got to go out with a bang. At least they got to have this team at the end of this season that, frankly, got a raw deal with Anders Lee being out for half the season and then Paggio getting hurt. Like, at least they got to celebrate something at this, uh, you know, we'll say moribund arena.
3: I don't know. I I I I was really hoping just because I happened to be out there selfishly that I was going to be able to see a game at Nassau because I just on TV product, it looks like they just go wild there. Um, I really wanted to get get. In there to see it, and now I consider myself a little bit of a Long Islander. Now that I summer out there,
1: <laughs> I summer. <laughs> oh, you're a nightmare.
2: He used it as a
3: verb. Oh, That's right. No. I summer on the island. Now let's <laughs> let's, let's put this in perspective because yeah. I was
1: telling you about the new arena, and you know, Uniondale is where the old one was. The new one's in Elmont. That's not that far apart. Um, And I just mentioned like a place like patchog or Islip. I think you flew back from Islip. Like yeah. You were you were staying like way out beyond that, like. It seems like that would be almost like two hours away from driving in to go to a freaking hockey game.
3: Yeah, I think it would have been about two hours, Um, but not far distance wise. It's just like you've got the one highway in and out of where we were and everybody's on it and the speed limit's 35 and it just takes forever. Um, But uh, (laughs) yeah, I. I would have done it i would have done it in a heartbeat but let's let's be honest those people who are out there at that end of the island aren't long islanders no. they're new yorkers who are out there for the summer renting right so you don't build the you don't build it for them i mean definitely there are some fishing towns out there sag harbor and montauk you know those have real residents real fishermen and fisherwomen i don't know if that's the right term <laughs> uh, try to be as correct as i can. Uh, you know yeah they they I want them to have the chance to get to a game too. But man, I, I really wish I would have seen that Nassau, uh, you know, next time I'm out there when next summer, when I'm summering, I'll go to the new, uh, the new uh, arena
2: next summer. When I'm summering, it sounds like the beginning of a song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and shout out Islip, by the way, uh, uh Kofield, We were talking about the uh, long Island family for, uh, for me, since it's for, uh, where, where fairmount has been located over, over, uh, over time but yeah as as justin said if you are someone who is taking a helicopter from the city to the hamptons you're probably not a lifelong islanders fan
1: okay i was worried about the people in the middle and the end of the island if they could get to the games but uh, the more i looked at it i'm like "Eh, i kind of think this is for the like the hardcores that are a little closer to the city and actually a lot of the people in queens yeah i think you're right yeah it's a nice arena the cost is i swear to god i I swear it's at a billion and a half dollar arena whoa yeah, that seems high to me. Yeah, Brock, like, I think I, there must be a whole district there we shopping shopping. Cool. Uh, with, with retail and, and residential as well. All right, 5709,000 is the number. Are uh, you going to be around for the legal podcast tomorrow? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Because we had a lot to get to. All right. Uh, we got that UFC lawsuit story that uh, Adam Hill wrote. Uh, he's getting guffed from both sides. Uh, fighters aren't happy with him. UFC's not happy with him. So we'll get into that one. And then we had the, the crazy bar incident. We've actually we have had a bunch of shootings here in town, so we'll have to get to that stuff. So, but that's on the... Uh, Thursday nights, that's a nine o'clock start at Steve Cofield. is up on Facebook and also on YouTube. Again, the number here at Battleborne Injury Lawyers, 570
0: 9000. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702 570 9000 with your questions today.